Dr. Katrina Fury, a psychiatrist. And I'm Portia Pendleton, a licensed clinical social worker. And And this this is Analyze Scripts, a podcast where two shrinks analyze the depiction of mental health in movies and TV shows. Our hope is that you learn some legit info about mental Mm -hmm. health while feeling like you're chatting with your girlfriends. There is so much misinformation out there and it drives us nuts. And if someday we pay off our student loans or land a sponsorship, like with a lay flat airline or a major beauty brand, even better. So sit back, relax, grab some popcorn and your DSM-5 and enjoy. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Dr. Katrina Fury, a psychiatrist. And I'm Portia Pendleton, a licensed clinical social worker. And this is Analyze Scripts, a podcast where two shrinks analyze the depiction of mental health in movies and TV shows. Our hope is that you learn some legit info about mental Mm -hmm. health while feeling like you're chatting with your girlfriends. There is so much misinformation out there and it drives us nuts. And if someday we pay off our student loans or land a sponsorship, like with a lay flat airline or a major beauty brand, even better. So sit back, relax, grab some popcorn and your DSM-5 and enjoy. Welcome back to Analyze Scripts. We are so excited you're joining us today for an episode about the classic, uh, I guess, I think in a bad way, film One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Um, We're thrilled to be joined by Dr. Sulman Mirza, who is a triple board certified psychiatrist with expertise in psychiatry, child and adolescent psychiatry, and addiction medicine. I would call that a triple threat. Um, He completed his psychiatry residency at Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond, Virginia, his child and adolescent psychiatry fellowship at the University of Maryland and Shepherd Pratt Hospital in Baltimore, Maryland. He's had the privilege to work in a variety of settings from inpatient psychiatric units with medical capabilities to the classrooms of Baltimore City Public Schools. He's learned from some of the leaders and pioneers in the field of psychiatry, and his experiences have allowed him to develop a deep understanding of neuropsychiatric conditions in both children and adults. And he has a keen knack for the internet, and you can find him at The Kick Shrink on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. And I have to say, Sulman, I love your videos. I feel like they're very visually appealing, but also the content is so great. Like you really have a way of putting out a lot of really accurate, detailed information in a really entertaining, like easy to digest way. And I think that is really hard to do. So I just want to give you some props for that. I don't know if we still say props. 
Um, but yeah. I feel like I'm really impressed because <laughs> we can still say that. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I'm really honestly impressed. Like I love, I feel like you have themes where you, you like do like medication Saturday. I'm not going to remember all the names off the top of my head, but then there's like historical lessons. There's a lot of good info about ADHD. I I've told you offline. I love your stuff about WWE. <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. I just, I think it's really great. So I hope everyone goes to check them out. Yeah. Thank you both for having me on here. Really excited. It was, you know, when I, I came across you guys, I was like, Oh my God, I love the movies and entertainment and pop culture. And I was like, this is, and I love kind of bringing, you know, psychiatry, psychology into all of that because so much of that is present. So I was like, let's, yeah. let's see if we can collaborate on something. Yeah, no, we're thrilled. And we chose this, this movie that, <laughs> um, and book. So right. The book came out in 1962 yeah. with the movie 1975. I had never seen this movie, but I had heard of it, which I think is part of our discussion with how powerful right. this was that kind of shaping people's views of psychiatry, inpatient care um, and ECT and treatments. Right. Yeah. Right. I think it's so, so true. We were talking about uh, with Dr. Jesse Gold in our most recent episode about season two of Yellow Jackets, which has another awful scene about ECT. Again, just how this film has like permeated through our culture, even if you haven't seen it, like Mm -hmm. you're saying, you haven't seen it, but you know of it. And Mm -hmm. it's like it's had this really long lasting, unfortunate impact, which is ironic because apparently it won a bazillion Academy Awards. You know, it, was, it like yeah. made a lot of money. It was very well received. It won all these awards. And yet it was awful <laughs> like in terms of its portrayal of mental health care. Yeah, it, it's in, in like the history of film. Like it's one of the few movies that has gotten like has won the big five awards. Right. So mm-hmm. it won best picture, best director, best actor, best actress. And then best adapted screenplay. Right. So like in history, I think there's only this and I think maybe one or two other movies that have won all of those big five. So this and then like I think when, you know, AFI, American Film Institute does like their top hundred films or top hundred whatever, this is always one of those top movies. Um, I think Nurse Ratchet, we'll talk about her in a bit. Like she's gone down as like one of the top ten villains in film history of all time. Like right up there with like Hannibal Lecter and, you know, another psychiatrist um, and, and Darth Vader. Point. So it's like <laughs> Darth Vader and, 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 you know, Hannibal Lecter, as you can see like where, how powerful this is in, in our culture and our history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. And the name. So, right. Like every <laughs> yeah. people say things are ratchet, like, Oh, that's so ratchet. And yeah. I was like, is that from this? Um, <laughs> that's a great question. I don't know, like Nurse Ratchet or like even again, like not seeing the film. It's, it's you know, very, it's pretty old, right? At this mm-hmm. point, what's, the, yeah. you know, 30, Coming plus, up 50 years. 20. Oh. That's a lot. Yeah. So like, that's, it's still impacting today in some very strange ways that I think people have no idea about. Yeah. Isn't that fascinating mm-hmm. that it's had such a long lasting effect? Yeah. So like, again, like when I watched it the other day, I was like, man, first of all, I was like, this, this movie is like almost 50 years old, <laughs> you know, right, right. Then, like seeing, seeing like the cast members, I was like, oh my God, this person is gone. This person is dead. This person is dead. And like seeing for a lot of these, the actors in there, some of them were like Christopher Lloyd, I think made his yes. debut in this movie. Yes. Um, Billy, the character, uh, Brad Dourif, who played uh, Billy Bibbit, that was like his movie debut. Mm-hmm. You know, you see a young Danny DeVito in there. Right. Oh yeah. Uh, I didn't even catch yeah. that. Like till the end credits. I was like, Oh my God, that was Danny DeVito. That was, that was Danny DeVito. Yeah. Was this Jack Nicholson's first movie or I'm imagining no, 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 it's. No, pro- think, yeah. He was, I think he was pretty established by that time, but like, I, I think this was the one he, 
maybe he won his first award for and mm-hmm. like the one that really was like oh this guy is a, a superstar now yeah yeah so oh. first impressions you said you were not pleased i mean i don't think that's yeah very much but <laughs> you know what's uh interesting is we just recorded and we'll have released an episode about girl interrupted um, and then we're watching this one. And I was like, oh, this is so fascinating because it's like similar time periods. Um, and they're both on inpatient hospital units. And I thought it just as interesting, the timing that, you know, with Girl Interrupted, we really focus on borderline personality disorder um, and Winona Ryder's character with, you know, some antisocial personality disorder discussion with Angelina Jolie's character. And again, here we're finding the the male view of antisocial personality disorder uh, with Jack Nicholson's character, uh, Randall McMurphy. Um, so it was just interesting to sort of see again, how they depicted an inpatient psychiatric unit, which I thought the environment was pretty accurate, like for those times and like still today, it hasn't changed much. (laughs) Um, but I was struck immediately by, again, like the nurses wearing their white clothes, which again, accurate for the time, not so much these days, all the orderlies, I felt like we're going to like burst into a barbershop quartet song or like serve me some ice cream, like with their little bow ties and stuff. Um, but I feel like overall, when I rewatched this movie, it just like, it makes me so sad to just see sort of how they portray the coercive nature of mental health treatment, especially ECT, the medication. So everything feels so punitive. Um, That, I think, makes me really sad mm-hmm. watching it as a psychiatrist. Um, and I don't think is accurate based on my experiences, you know, in inpatient units. Yeah, especially for today. Like, I, I again, I, I this was before my time. This is before I was born that this movie came out. So Same. I have no, no, no <laughs> way to really tell, like, what it was like. But it it's this bizarre feeling of, like, man, this is the image that has been there and permeated the culture of what this was. And I think when we were, you know, probably before in our residency and we're like, you know, you get a little bit scared of going on the psychiatric floor for the first Mm -hmm. time as a med student, you're like, Oh my God, what's it going to be like? I've never, again, for those of us who have not been on an inpatient psychiatric floor, you're like, what is it going to be like? How are Mm -hmm. people going to be like, is it going to be like one flew over the cuckoo's nest? And and then you get in there and you're like, Oh wait, it's not like that at all. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. I thought like even the, the patients on the unit, the way they were depicted, I just thought was like very, um, like stigmatizing and, uh, like inhumane and inaccurate. Like it felt like I had a hard time figuring out what each of the people, like what their diagnoses were. And they just sort of came across as being, I don't know, how would you describe them? Some of them were caricatures right there mm-hmm. of i think we had like the part the one patient who was who had been lobotomized who was just kind of there as the quote-unquote vegetable um and then you have the people you know the the one guy older guy who's just kind of dancing the entire time you have a the, uh, mr harding i think who's the closeted homosexual um and then you have some of the, you know billy bibbit is like the stutter so again you have these kind of caricatures um that show up in in there and you know it's like is it good is it bad and not always you know <laughs> i think in the something from the book that's always that's kind of lost to people is i think if i remember correctly i read the book like in high school mm-hmm. um, and i like quickly did like a wikipedia <laughs> before this just to kind of refresh a little bit yeah and i was like the, the book is told from the uh, from the point of view of chief right and right. 
who in the book is a, a paranoid schizophrenic, right? You have right. you have all this other mm-hmm. he's got these conspiracy theories and this kind of bizarre delusions of how the world is being run, um, mm-hmm. which none of that comes across in right. the movie no, at it's all. It's totally like lost. Yeah, he's totally depicted as like, oh, he's just this quote unquote Indian, right, Native American that like can't talk, and you know, it's one of the worst kind of things I think we've seen as you know psychiatrists or in the field is you get consults on people who are non-English speaking and people are like, what's wrong with this person? They're not understanding what I'm saying. You know, and again, it's just like, oh, you just didn't use the interpreter line. You didn't take the time right. to bother to find out like what, what, how they communicate. And then, right. but that was kind of the, the image in my mind. I was like, wow, this poor guy, chief got thrown into the, into the mental health or into the psychiatric unit because nobody could communicate with him. And that's what he's here for. He's just kind of gone along with it. No, <laughs> there's no way to tell at all that he's, uh, schizophrenic in the movie mm-hmm. right. at all. Right. Whereas I think in the book, um, I also read it a long time ago, so I don't quite remember, but I believe there was a lot more dialogue like about his paranoid thoughts. Even if he wasn't yeah. you know, saying them, you were getting that background. Whereas even in the movie, yeah. you just see him sweeping a lot. Like he doesn't yeah, a- seem especially paranoid. No, not at all. Like he think again, like in the movie, he's depicted as like this, again, totally normal person who just ended <laughs> up there for some reason because he's quote, deaf and dumb and you know, again, nobody can communicate with him. And it's like, I don't think that's how you end up on a psychiatric unit. Yeah. Right. That's sometimes Hopefully. how you end up. <laughs> Hopefully. Again, you may get that random psych consult just because, again, some sur- some surgeon, surgery resident will be like, I can't talk with the person. Um, but then, <laughs> they must be bipolar. <laughs> yeah, they must be a bipolar. Or they must be like something or other. And just like, no, they just don't speak English. Um, which <laughs> yeah. I, I think we all we all have our story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We saw that in side effects right at the beginning. So there's a, a gentleman who's brought mm-hmm. into the ER who um, Haitian who had attacked. They said like a cab driver because he thought he had seen his father. And you know, in in that culture, like there's a lot of ghosts and seeing relatives yeah. and elders. And, and so the psychiatrist in that. Movie this is a good depiction. He started speaking, I think, French, French or Creole um, and was to able- him and then was able to like understand what actually happened. Then was like, you don't need to keep him cuffed, so on and so forth. So that was a good depiction of, mm-hmm. of you know, what we didn't see here. Um, maybe right. here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What were your thir- first impressions, Sulman, about Jack Nicholson's character? It's interesting because he's the main character. He's the hero of the film, per se, right? The main protagonist of the film is this guy who's going to come on to the unit and rabble rouse and free all the patients, right? Who've been, you know, who are there. And he has this idea that like, again, these people are held there against their will, but mm-hmm. actually he's the one who's being involuntarily committed, right? He's the one who's being mm-hmm. held there. And, and, you know, they have that moment in therapy where everyone was mm-hmm. like, Oh, I'm, I'm actually here because I want to be here. And it's kind of right. eye opening experience for him. And I think people kind of like in the beginning, or, or people will kind of forget that he's really a terrible person, right? Like he, he's there because he's like done these terrible crimes. He's, uh, you know, a pedophile for lack of a better term, right? He's committed mm-hmm. statutory rape and he's kind of reveled in the fact that he's like, mm-hmm. he's being very graphic in describing the, the situation that occurred with like this 15 year old girl. Right. And, you know, and you're just like, oh, wow, this guy is a really a dirtbag, right? He's really not a good person, and he's committed right. all these crimes, and he's lying to get out of prison so that he can be in, again, this vacation, quote-unquote, that mm-hmm. he thinks is going to be on the mental health ward, and he's going to, like, dupe everybody. And you're like, 
wow, this guy is really, you know, antisocial. Right. Um, so, and you, you, but then he's portrayed again, this charismatic person who's going to like free all these people. So he's, again, not taking into consideration the impact of, of his actions and how, you know, Billy ends up, you know, not to spoiler, but like, you know, ends up completing suicide at the end of the movie. Um, so by kind of the actions of what happened during the course of the film and, and that right. last night that, that they were there. Mm. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought like this was a good depiction of antisocial personality disorder yeah. um, in terms of the fact that people with these traits can be very charismatic, right? Like that's how right. Ted Bundy lured all his victims. Right. Um, and I thought also that initial scene between McMurphy and the psychiatrist who again was an older white man, I thought his office yeah. was pretty spot on for what a psychiatrist's office probably looks like, you know, but you even see McMurphy like trying to like weasel his way in by like commenting on the photo. Yes. Yeah. About like the fish yeah. he won and all this stuff. Um, and, you know, you just see his true lack of remorse or empathy right away mm -hmm. when the psychiatrist says, you know, like, well, you've, you've been in, in jail for five assaults and there's this rape charge and just the provocative, uh, uncomfortable way he talks about that whole thing, I think gives you like all the info you need um, yeah. to say like, you know, I think, uh, I think you got antisocial personality disorder and you're malingering, you know, I don't know yeah. what more they could have done for him. And yet they keep him there. And that's like, they want to help, but do they? It's mm -hmm. unclear. And I wonder at the yeah. time of the movie too, like now, I mean, how his description of the child that he was with um, was, so gross that that yeah. stayed with me for the rest of the film but i'm yeah. wondering too like even at the times like i think why he won and part of the reason why the movie did so well is because that you kind of go back and forth with like hating him and liking him like he wants to free oh, these yeah. people from you know their their oppressed system nurse ratchet and and i think it's kind of interesting he's like this horrible person but then you're like I would imagine some people even maybe more so in the seventies are like rooting for him to like free, oh, yeah. you know, the patients. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting. Hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, he is, he is portrayed like he is the protagonist of the film, right? He is the hero. He's like the guy that you're, again, you're rooting for him. And at the end, you know, again, not to go into spoiler territory, but like when he gets lobotomized, um, you're like, oh, I feel bad for him, right? A little bit, <laughs> um, but at the same time, you're you're again, you are rooting for him and you're going along for him during the whole movie, and yeah, it, it is problematic, absolutely, and it's really interesting when you look at it from when the book was written um, and the author Ken Kesey's his name, right? Um, mm -hmm. He goes on, you know, again, a lot of what he was doing was a lot about like how the themes are like you're supposed to be um against society against this oppressive society and about being the individual and being a real man quote unquote so again all the masculinity aspects that come up in this and how like you know society has castrated the man mm -hmm. of today right that's mm -hmm. some of the themes that are in the book um in the movie so that's there and ken Kesey goes on to like you know in his life become this proponent of like psychedelic drugs and how we have to use again these substances to find this other sense of reality um individuality when it's like you're kind of talking about a psychiatric facility and medications and then you're like but no 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 we're going to use lsd and we're going to use all the hallucinogenics and psychedelics to like reach this altered sense of being too so it's it's double standard double 
that comes out. Which interestingly, I think is still a tension in the field today, right? Like I still think we encounter this a lot. Um, you know, people maybe who've had negative experiences with mental health care or, or haven't felt fully helped or fully heard or understood. Um, and, you know, there is more and more research into psychedelics and, and the tools, you know, how they can be helpful, but there's still, it's still yeah. a big gray zone. And there's still, I think that tension still felt even 50 years later. Yeah, absolutely. Like, again, I, I'm very much keeping my ear to the field of this stuff in, in my own clinical practice. Like I do, at my practice, we do um, Spravata, which is the intranasal ketamine. Um, and I've seen fantastic results from it. So it's really kind of been like, oh, this there's something to this, right? There's some yeah. legitimacy to what this is. And, you know, I think as a field and as a society, we're absolutely, we were robbed of decades of research what could have been done when we criminalized all these substances. Mm -hmm. So I think it is, you know, there's some truth to it, but there's at the same time, just as many success stories we hear, there's so many horror stories of things. Right. And just because everything is, um, <clears throat> excuse me, because everything is regulated so much, we're not able to, again, do proper research and get like, again, really effective dosing, the quality control that comes when you're mm -hmm. buying illicit substances or black right. market substances. Right. That's where the problems come because then you get people who are like, well, I'll just go do shrooms on the weekend and I'll be all right. good. Why do I need to take like, you know, Prozac? Right. I'll do this and that. So, and then things happen. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So one thing I found myself wondering while watching this movie is that relationship dynamic between McMurphy and Nurse Ratchet is like really central to the film. And at first I found Nurse Ratchet to be like so comforting, like the way she spoke and the way she just looked at you. And she seemed so gentle and so like well put together, you know, and then, but as the film goes on, you, you see this like more sadistic side to her. And first of all, I don't think the nurse runs the therapy sessions on a unit. Usually that's done by a trained therapist. So that was right. a really interesting, like huge error um, yep. in the film. But then also like she had so much control and is really depicted as being a pretty sadistic person and like using all these types of severe punishments like ECT and the lobotomies, even the medications um, in a manipulative, uh, cruel way. And I found myself wondering, like, is that who she really is? Or did he pull this out of her, like with his own behaviors? I think this was who she was, because I think we see it even in that first group therapy session where, you know, she's weaponizing these people, the patients, kind of their insecurities. I think she's like one of those people who, again, has a little bit more therapeutic training than you know, a typical nurse on the unit may have, um, but she's really weaponizing it against you know the the mm -hmm. some of the kind of defense mechanisms, some of the um, what's it called? I can't even think of the word right now. But she's like weaponizing their vulnerabilities. Of, yeah, she's weaponizing their vulnerabilities against them. You know, and again, it is this aspect. You know, again, then when we come to the and this was there from the first scene, from the first yeah. group therapy scene, you see it like she. I think it was um, Mr. Harding and that's, you know, they with really his bring wife. Up, like with his wife being like, Oh, like, why is your wife? Why do you think your wife is cheating on you? And it's like, well, and then there's like, they have the whole discussion and then it's like, well, actually I think this is the reason why, and this is what's happening and it cuts really deep to the core. Mm -hmm. And I think you see McMurphy 
picks up on that. That mm-hmm. you know he's kind of there as a passive bystander observer in the first group therapy session. He's like, let me kind of see what the situation is, and let me see who the characters are and what everybody is. And then she's like, and then I think he picks up. They're like, oh, this person is evil too in her own way. Yeah. And you know he's he's like, you know, now we're going to kind of compete a little bit to mm-hmm. see who's really running, really going to run the unit. Yeah. He's meeting, you know, she's got the one who's got like, again, the, the backing strength behind her as well. Of the right. It, it's almost like he's like found his match. Like he could sense like they both share this sadistic side um, and it's just comes out in these different ways. Mm-hmm. And again, I think yeah. like very gender normative type of ways, perhaps. Um, but I think you're right from the beginning nurse ratchet can pick up those vulnerabilities in the patients and does use it to her advantage. And then that made me wonder like, are these people really here voluntarily or does she have like this hold on them? You know? Yeah. Cause I think there's an aspect too, where again, they all say like, Oh, we could, we can leave at any time, but they've been conditioned to feel like they're not ready to go. Right. Especially like, mm-hmm. you know, again, Billy is one of the kind of the main characters in a way. And that like, you know, she's like, oh, you know, me and your mom are old friends. Like, you know, what would she think? Like, again, which is, you know, again, leads to his fate in a way. Um, well, directly to his fate. Um, mm-hmm. But again, it's the things that she does, again, hold, grabbing onto these vulnerabilities and really kind of keeping all the patients where they're at. Right. To maintain her own. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And like, you see that in the group dynamic. Like, sure. I thought, um, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, it makes sense why, but like, she, seem to be kind of like rationing everything up um, instead of kind of oh, ratcheting everything literally. up. I, that was not intentional. <laughs> yeah. um, what a Freudian well, slip there. Yeah. <laughs> instead of like removing right a group member, like I've run, you know, a good amount of groups. It's like, okay, if someone seems like they're getting dysregulated, like sometimes it's like, okay, like maybe go meet with this person and come wow. back or like, let's try to like de-escalate the group. Right. And it was the opposite. Like that scene like, with the cigarettes. See, yeah. And she's like, oh yeah continuing to dig at each one of them and, and, and kind of pit them against exactly. each other. Yeah. And that was like, yeah. not what group therapy is um, at all. And I right. think, you know, again, just another depiction of like it being really out of control and unsafe and like scary and chaotic versus trying, you know, the, the point of group work, right. Is to like, feel um, safe and secure and, and experience uh, or feel like other people get it. Right. Not, you know, yeah. to right. learn, not just yeah like learn not just from the group therapy leader but also right. from each other yeah. in a healthy safe yeah. way and exactly it was like that whole scene with the cigarettes mm-hmm. where everything unravels oh, yeah. it's almost like she kind of knew what she was doing and then because they behave so crazy right. now we can send these three troublemakers to get ect um yeah oh what was how do you feel about that depiction of ect Oh, it was, I mean, so if nothing else, like the lasting legacy of the movie is the depiction of what ECT is in the mental health field, Um, which at that time, again, I I don't know what it was like, but, you know, that movie was in the mid 70s and that was placed in the 60s or the time was in the 60s. Like, so I'm sure that that was even outdated kind of experience of what ECT was. Um, You know, ECT that we do, now, or at least, you know, I haven't done ACT in 10-ish years, I think, back since my my residency training, yeah. nine, 10 years, yeah, um, that it's so different, right? ECT, so different. all the research is 
the most effective, safest kind of treatment that we have out there. You know, are there people who are going to have issues with memory and headaches? Sure. But those are, again, very, very small. And when we compare that to like the medications that we have, which we know our medications are dirty in a way, right? There's a mm-hmm. lot of side effects that come, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of times when we're doing med check visits as like a psychiatrist with an outpatient or going forward, it's like, are you having side effects? Are you having side effects? What right. side effects are you having? Right. That's right. the majority of kind of like our sessions is like, well, how do we manage these side effects? And then by the way, are you feeling less depressed or less anxious or something like that too? <laughs> but let's, let's deal with the side effects first. Especially for things like, like antipsychotics. Yeah. Yeah, which are just like, again, very, very dirty medications in a way. So, and then like, yeah, when we find a medication that like has minimal to like, you know, mild to minimal side effects, we're like, okay, we can deal with this, right? We can work with this now. We found our, found the thing that worked for us. And ACT for the most part, again, super clean, right? Um, mm-hmm. People do really well. The memory loss, again, can it occur? Sure. Does it happen often? Not so much, right? And usually, they, isn't yeah. it for, the memory loss that you experience, isn't it for the time, like right around getting the treatment? It's not your whole life you forget, or you can never lay down a new memory. Isn't it like just around the time you're getting the treatment? That's the most common is again, just the the amnesia that occurs around the treatment. Of course, like, are there people who have more severe memory loss or have other kind of injuries that occur? Sure. But again, those are the exceptions more so than Mm -hmm. the rule. Um, And again, not to minimize what they've gone through, but again, we're, we always look at things as a, risk benefit and a big picture kind of thing. Right. Um, but ECT works, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's got a greater success rate. It's again, super safe in pregnancy. Um, mm-hmm. It is the treatment of choice in pregnancy a lot of right. times. Um, and then it can help for so many people for things like uh, catatonia. Mm-hmm. It is again, the treatment of choice. It works really well. Um, so it's something that again, when we try to recommend to people, you know, I'll have patients and I'm like, hey, you know, I think we're at a point where we need to look at like something like CT. And they're like, like, like one flu with a cuckoo's nest? What are you talking about? Like, every wanna, time. Yeah. Every like time almost every like, single time. It becomes this like, you know, Pavlovian response almost where people yeah. are like, like one flu with a cuckoo's nest? What are you talking about? Like nothing's wrong with I'm not crazy. I don't need to do that. And you're like, no, 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 no. And you have to kind of undo the, the what this movie has done because you're like, it's totally different. It's a controlled environment. It's totally voluntary. You have an anesthesiologist. You have a psychiatrist. You're going to be going under mm-hmm. really briefly. It's a very, you know, the seizure is controlled. You have a muscle relaxant or you have a, what's it called? The, uh, the medications that are there so that like the seizure is just localized just to like your ankle. Like I got mm-hmm. to make sure and like you're, you know, somebody's there with you and it's a very like comforting thing right mm-hmm. um you, you're not going to experience anything and you'll feel better right and they're like no i could never do that like they're going to make me bite on this thing and i'm going to shake okay. and i'm going to like mm-hmm. break my bones and like i'm going to forget everything and i'm going to be like a vegetable when i come out and it's like no no no, please <laughs> it's like please just erase that from your memory i know i know i wish we could erase yeah. that from like our conscious memory and even just like him going in there um with and there's like 10 people in there right? Like all the orderlies are in there, like, you know, ready to kind of restrain him. Um, Hold him down. Yeah. Yeah. So even just like seeing that walking in the room again, now it's very different. Um, And he didn't know what was happening. I think that's what really jumped out at me the most this time is there was no informed consent. There was no No. explanation. It was like, you know, sending your, 
Yeah. And such a scare, like they're just like, oh, we're going to put this conjunctive on your head and we're here, bite down on this. You could see how scared he was. And again, it's like, who wouldn't be? Right. Like who, yeah. who of us wouldn't be scared if you like walk into a room with all these people holding you down? Like, of course you're going to freak out, but that is not yeah. how it's done. Like at all. No. At all. It was, it was really striking too, because again, he's portrayed as this like really bad, tough guy. Right. And then you see it in Jack Nicholson, like that, again, his performance is fantastic in the movie where like he rounds the corner to see the door to walk mm-hmm. into the door where this is happening and like he get he catches himself and you're like you see the terror come over him and you're like mm-hmm. he has no idea what's happening we, we know from the field and just from you know having watched the movie before like oh this is what's going to happen but like mm-hmm. he has no idea um there's no mention of this as at all so it's a total surprise and again like all these people are there and he's like what is going to happen so this, this yeah. extreme moment of vulnerability for this person who's been portrayed as this big bravado tough guy the whole movie right yeah. and i think the only like clue he has is watching cheswick get the treatment before him right you see them yeah. like 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 we dragging him against yeah. his will to get it and then he comes out ah, like a vegetable on the stretcher um and then it's like okay you're up um and it's just yeah. so unfortunate you know again i also haven't um you know performed ect myself since residency but Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. From what I remember, it can be an outpatient procedure, right? You're, yeah. It's not something where you have to be institutionalized to get. You come in, it's almost like having a day surgery, yet like not mm-hmm. even as invasive in a lot of ways. And again, I feel like that doesn't make sense to the average person to think like, you're yeah. shocking my brain. Like, how is that not invasive? Like it is, you know, I'm not saying it's yeah. not, but you, you know, you come in, you talk about it. They sort of explain to you exactly what's going on. Um, in a very respectful way. There's a couple of people in the room, you know, you have the psychiatrist, you have the anesthesiologist, you have a nurse, that might be it. Maybe there's yeah. a tech or someone like that. Um, it doesn't take very long. They usually no. do unilateral. You pick the yeah. one side first. Um, and then as long as that works, you don't have to do bilateral. And which means, you know, putting yeah. the, the, the things on both sides of your head that can lead to more side effects. So we try to avoid it. You're right that you yeah. have anesthesia and a paralytic so that your body basically stays still. You look for the twitch in the ankle. That's it. We're not thrashing you around. We're not holding you down. You're not biting your tongue. It's very quick, very mild. And then I think it takes maybe an hour or so like in recovery, maybe a little longer. Probably and less then even, yeah. Probably yeah, less, but, but I think you're like observed for a, a period of time, but it's not that long. Then you go home. 
and you do, a couple, yeah. that's it. You know, you do a couple of treatments. Maybe at first you do two to three a week for a period of time to get you into remission from whether it's depression, psychosis, you're hundred percent right. That is, is like such a good treatment for conditions in pregnancy um, because there's no risk of like medication effects on the fetus. Right. Um, and then as you start to feel better, you space out the treatments. And then some people might get maintenance yeah. ECT to keep up the effects. And that's it. And I mean, yeah. I had a, a, an attending um, psychiatrist, which is like, you know, your teacher in residency, always say like, you know, it would really frustrate him when we were on the inpatient unit that we would have to petition the courts to get something like ECT. When yeah. he's like, all of these antipsychotics we're giving people have so many side effects like diabetes, tardive dyskinesia, akathisia, like all of these things that are so hard to control. And yet like, it's so much easier to give people these medications and not ECT. And I really wonder how much of that comes from this movie. Like how much of that comes from the long lasting negative effects of this film on our society, like at large. Yeah. I, I, I would very much say that they're directly tied because it again, invariably almost always gets brought up. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, this is around the time of like deinstitutionalization, exactly. you know, the book, the book and the movie around that time um, where we've, you know, we, we ended the asylum system for the most part. Right. And, you know, we, we have this massive decrease in the amount of people who are in mental health institutions or mental facilities and where do they end up? They ended up in prison, right? right. <laughs> it's not like, or on the like street around the streets or anything like that. And a lot of those, again, a lot of people who end up like unhoused will, will end up in prison because it's a safe place. You get your three hots and a cotton and, you mm -hmm. know, these things occur um, and they get better care a lot of mm -hmm. times or they get, they get care. Hey, period. Yeah. At all. Right. <laughs> at all. Um, while they're in, in these facilities or in prisons, as opposed to the facilities, because Everyone was like, oh, let's deinstitutionalize and we'll put people into community resources. But then no one paid for the community resources. That's, no, we forgot that part. No yeah, we forgot yeah, that was, part. <laughs> yeah. So everyone was like, again, it was a, a, a putting like, you know, the carriage before the horse kind of deal where it's like the, the resources weren't there. It, was a, it would have been perfect if they were. And we put funding there and research and we really put all the resources that were there. It could have been a great system. Right. But it just couldn't. It, wasn't it hasn't. It. Right. It hasn't panned out. And, and I think this, you know, the film does bring up in a lot of ways, maybe not all of them in positive depictions, but about, you know, like, how do we treat vulnerable people in a humane way? And what are examples of that going wrong? Which I think this film has a lot of examples of it going wrong. Um, and I think, unfortunately, that drive to deinstitutionalize. I like to think came from a good place. Um, yeah. And yet like we're, we forgot to invest in the community infrastructure to really make it effective. Right. Like I don't think anyone wants people to live their life on an inpatient unit, but for like for some subset of patients who are really having trouble functioning without that support, where do they end up? You're exactly right. right. That is where they end up. They end up unhoused. They end up in prison. That is our institution these days. And it's just so right. heartbreaking. Yeah. And we see that in group we'll just put a different name on it. at least. I don't know about Maryland or Virginia, but, you know, maybe like 10 years ago now, there was a lot of um, 
like group homes, close residential facilities in Connecticut. And a lot of those, um, at the time I was working in residentials and they had kind of made their way still to institutions, but whether it was, you know, juvenile incarceration or like substance use treatment facilities. Mm -hmm. And again, like I get the idea is like, yeah, who wants to grow up in a group home? No one. That's not ideal at all. But like, also, what do we do with these teens, you know, and kids who have nowhere to go? Right. And who need that support Mm -hmm. to a lot of times maintain your safety, not just from kind of like a psychiatric self-harming perspective, but also from like not being taken advantage Mm -hmm. of by other nefarious people out there. Yep. Yep. All the McMurphys of the world. All the McMurphys of the world. I know. I know. So what we don't um, see kind of continue is lobotomies, right? So um, thank God they stopped around the 1950s. And I guess there was one, um, the last one that was recorded in the United United States was in 1967. And it actually ended up in the deaths of the patient who it was performed on. Um, So that has not, you know, we've, we've stopped that practice while ECT has become really safe, really effective, really studied, really, Really you know, specifically done. Um, and I just thought that's kind of interesting that they're both shown yeah. um, in the movie yeah. in like, and, a short period of time. And kind of, right? Like at mm-hmm. the very end, they don't ever say like, oh, he got a lobotomy mm-hmm. or that's what happened. You just sort of make the assumption. Mm-hmm. And I do think like as much as we are criticizing this film, it's also important. And I'm sure you all agree that we, not like us, like we did this personally, but as a field have to acknowledge, like there have been some like bad things that have happened. So we don't yeah. do those anymore. So, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one of the things I know you had referenced that before, but like I've, every Wednesday I do like a, what's called like a WTF Wednesday, right? <laughs> Where it is kind of like to look, looking back on history, some of the dark side of the field, like you and not just the mental health field, but primarily the mental health field to be like, this is what we did. Um, this is the stuff that we did like what the fuck right <laughs> sorry um but like that's okay you know, what was going on yeah i was like what 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 were the things that we were doing that was like normal at the time mm-hmm. and a lot of it you know came from just the lack of understanding um and just not knowing what we know now so this was the you know well, we go back and where I was talking about them, like, you know, we did bloodletting and like right. purging treatment that was a thing we had, you know benjamin rush who you know, the father who is the, I think he's on like the seal as like the, um, of the APA as like the father of psychiatry. And, and, you know, he did this therapy where he would like put people in chairs and spin the psychosis, the crazy out of them, quote unquote. Right. And I guess that those are the things that we were doing. And then again, you know, the shock therapy, um, without anesthesia, that was again, like kind of like how it was depicted in, one flew the cougar's nest, like without knowing that, like, hey, we can do this, but do it a lot safer. Mm-hmm. So, very much a lot of ugly, ugly stuff that occurred in in the history of psychiatry and and medicine. You know, again, not yeah. even talking about. I think uh, Samuel Cartwright and some of the people who did a lot of the terrible stuff, like in the history of gynecology. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so much stuff. There's like you can have like a whole discussion on the terrible history of gynecology in America mm-hmm. as well. Hundred mm-hmm. mm-hmm. percent. And I think it is important as present day providers to keep all that history in mind and also Mm -hmm. keep that healthy degree of skepticism, like in the stuff we do these days, you know, to think like, just to like stay ethical and humane, 
you know, and I think yeah. also looking back on all those practices, there unfortunately is a lot of racial discrepancies, socioeconomic discrepancies about, you know, which patients were getting these treatments or these experimental mm-hmm. treatments or things against their will or even against their knowledge. And that's terrible. And, but yeah. we have to keep it in mind to hopefully like turn the tides and keep working toward better, more equitable, um, more like open mm-hmm. types of treatment. Yeah. There's again, like when we really look at like the racial history of it, and again, as we, we saw it kind of in the movie, but not so much like all of like the black individuals were the orderlies. There were exactly. no black patients that were there. Um, the only, I know again, chief is again, the native American, but he's a patient as well, but everybody else was white. Right. Um, all the people in power. Oh, like, we had, yeah. The one white doctor, there was, I think like the Indian doctor and maybe there was some other doctor that was there. So when they had like their rounds for that one, mm-hmm. during that one scene of rounds and discussing stuff. But again, like it's a lot of the white people, but we know that historically we, or even not historically, but currently too, like, Black individuals get diagnosed with schizophrenia four mm-hmm. times higher uh, than not or than white individuals. So that's something that, and then we know that these rates are not true. It's not like right, black people are four times more likely to be. No, like it's just a lot of this goes into uh, the biases that occur. We know mm-hmm. that again, non-white kids get diagnosed with ADHD less than white kids. We know that like. Um, Again, non-white kids are having more ODD, ODD more yeah. conduct diagnoses than white kids. There's like that aspect of like, oh, they're, this is just how they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, we don't look at trauma disorders as much in non-white individuals. We're like, oh, this is just characteristically or, or characterologically, this is who they are. And again, these are the biases that come out and we see them. And a lot of like when I'm seeing patients, um, I end up undiagnosing so many of these diagnoses that are misplaced that i'm like clearly this kid has trauma right clearly this teenage girl has uh ptsd she's not bipolar right clearly Mm -hmm. this kid has adhd that's you know or they have a learning disorder that's never been recognized right because Mm -hmm. somebody didn't take the time to really sit down with them and discuss them or see what's going on there yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and even um, we've seen um, you commented on one of Dr. Callie's videos on ODD. Yeah, and um, I, you know, I'm just thinking back. I guess eight years ago, working at a teen male adolescent substance use unit, um, every single one of them had ODD. Like coming in, it was it was almost like a prerequisite yeah. to be on the unit. Like you had a substance use disorder, sometimes a couple, and then you had ODD, and it's like literally, you know, just kind of reflecting back on it. I don't know, 99% of them, I'll leave 1% just for, you know, room had trauma, like significant trauma, you know, whether it was chronic or just like singular traumas, like, and, and that really, even eight years ago, like wasn't really addressed. So I think, you know, even now, I think we're doing a better job of just sharing information and, and trying to kind of deconstruct some of it. And of course there's always tons of room to grow and keep going. But I think even like we've done a lot of work in the past couple of years. And I hope that, you know, as we keep trying to better understand our patients and like the human condition at large, I think we're also starting to talk about that trauma that's different subsets of the population experience is directly tied to 
the experience of being like a black yeah. person in America today, for example, that like, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of trauma that comes with that, that you might not call PTSD, but it's, it's there and it's directly tied to, you know, politics, economic, like all of it. And it, I think it can feel really overwhelming and like you get swallowed up to see that in clinical practice yeah. day in and day out. But it's so important to acknowledge mm-hmm. rather than saying like, well, you're just oppositional or you're just psychotic or, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's so much more complicated than that. Yeah. Yeah. And like to kind of like give like a story with this, like I, you know, I work in Loudoun County in Virginia, which is like the richest county in America and our neighbor is Fairfax County, which is the second richest county in America. So there's, you know, we have a certain, the, the patients that we see are certain demographics, I guess you can say, right? Predom- predominantly white, you know, Virginia is predominantly white. There's sort of shift with it as this become much more like technologically a leader. Um, and we have mm-hmm. a lot of like IT stuff. So then there's a changing demographic that's kind of there. So, but I, I'm always struck by this, by this like one patient counter. I'll try to like, you know, hide details and things, but, sure. you know, it was a, it was, a, you know, a, a little African-American kiddo and he had punched um, one of his peer at school and got in trouble for that. Right. And I was trying to like, see, how do I tell the story a little differently? <laughs> I was like, and I, I, you know, the question I asked is like, not when they come to me, I'm like, well, why'd you punch the kid? Right. I'm not like, what means, you know, I was like, what, what happened that led to this? Mm-hmm. Right. And he's like, well, he called me the N word. Right. Um, yeah. And I was, you know, and then I'm like, well, I'm not mad at you. Right. Right. It's <laughs> like, so I'm, what, you know, what is the right way, quote unquote, right way to handle right. that? To respond to this, like, you know, this, this bully called him the N word and he punched him back. And then he's the kid who gets in trouble for it. Right. Did for, that kid come I, into the psych unit too? The other kid? No, 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 of course not. Of course right. not. Right. Yeah. So it's like, this is, these, this is how that we, how we kind of, you know, weaponize mm-hmm. racial identity and, and, you know, how our cultural background mm-hmm. against people. It was like, kiddo had a perfectly total, totally normal response. Again, like, are we condoning violence? No. But at the same time, like, do I understand why he punched the kid? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And now though, he's reactive, he's dangerous, he's violent, right. he's right. aggressive. He's one of those kids. Mm-hmm. He's right. one of those aggressive black kids, right? That's, right. Again, the narrative that's, that's created that he's a troublemaker and a fighter and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Right. That's a really positive note to leave, Yeah, you know, to end <laughs> on. <laughs> but it's so true. I mean, I think it's just, it's heartbreaking. Um, yeah. But I think if we just sort of keep our head in the sand and we don't acknowledge these, whatever you want to call it, microaggressions, macroaggressions, racism, misogyny, trauma, poverty. If we don't acknowledge it, like nothing will get better. It's it's funny. I laughed when you said microaggressions because I just posted like a video recently. Um, I talked with Isra Nasser. She's, you know, a a Pakistani immigrant and she's become a very much a leader in um, mental health and in the field of like in IT and the community and done mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, she's a therapist counselor and stuff. And I'd posted a clip about like microaggressions that she had faced when she came over, you know, immigrated from Saudi Arabia to over here and or Canada and then over here, like, you know, it's a common thing I joke about, like, Oh, you speak English really good. <sighs> right. Uh, you know, and again, like, yeah, you're having the, the reaction that you understand that like, that's not a cool thing to say. And I'd posted like on YouTube. Right. And then I'm getting all these comments from people being like, again, white people <laughs> who are being like people are just being nice to you when they say that like oh. how dare you have this victim mentality oh. and it's like you understand your 
proving the point by saying I know. Like yeah. saying that these people are being nice to you by saying that you speak English really well and you are different and you are this and that. And they are just, you know, if you have this victim mentality your whole life, this is how you're never going to uh, get, you know, advanced in life. It's still her fault. Everyone, yeah, it's still her fault. I was like, I was like, you understand you're just gaslighting and you're <laughs> continuing the microaggressions that are, are going on by telling people to just like, be okay with it. Mm-hmm. I know. Well, it's like, well, what am You're I supposed to say? Point. And it's like, nothing, like nothing, maybe nothing. Like you don't need to comment yeah. on that. And I think, you, you know, anything. people love yeah. commenting on, on everything. And I think we could do yeah. a better job of just keeping some thoughts right. in our head. Or just being a little more introspective and even just being able to say like, oh, wow, I didn't know about microaggressions or that that was a microaggression or how that landed for this person given their experience. Like maybe I should yeah. think about that and maybe reflect and maybe it's okay. I feel remorseful or embarrassed about yeah. it and I could try to do a little better. Like maybe I should listen to them, you know, that yeah. maybe they are really like the authority on their own lived experience, you know? Exactly. Yep. R- radical idea. Yeah. <laughs> radical idea. <laughs> well, if you don't have the insight, you know, that's true. Open to thinking about things a different way than. Right. That's true. That's true. But anyway, well, this was great. I mean, is there anything else we want to talk about with um, the movie or just like the commentary on it? I think, you know, the, the big themes that I, I think we covered are like, it's a lot different now in a lot of different ways. Are there still, you know, hospitals and units and therapists and psychiatrists who are do a better job than others, of course, you know, are there some people who maybe shouldn't be in the field, of course, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it's just reminding yourself, even as a patient, like you should have informed consent. It's okay to ask questions. You're allowed to say, what is this? You know, I'm interested in something else, or can you talk me through this? What are my options? Yeah. Um, Or, or what about, you know, if you're recommending Prozac, it's okay to ask, well, what about Lexapro? Like you're allowed to ask mm-hmm. some questions to your providers. Yes. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, ideally, right, the, the gold standard of care would be that they're listening actively. Yeah. I, I think kind of like the takeaway, I, you know, I appreciate the movie the way I don't have this, like, you know, like I think you were saying, like, you know, this, this gut visceral reaction to the movie. I think it's necessary viewing for all, I think it's necessary viewing. Right. For a lot of people, if you're in the field, again, from, that, from the fact that like you have to look at it from a lens of history mm-hmm. and a, a lens of like, this is what not to do. <laughs> and this is how we don't do things anymore. This is how things may have been. Again, some of the stuff is absolutely, you know, dramatized for the sake of like great storytelling. And it, it is a great movie. If you look at it from the point of view of like just a movie, he's watching a movie, you know, it, it absolutely has, you know, it's, it's earned its accolades and its place in history. But, you know, from the mental health field, like it had, it's an important movie still, and it has a lasting impact 50 years later. And we have to know that our patients are aware of this. Our clients are aware of this. They know it's history. They know what it is. They have a lot of misconceptions about the field because of this. Right. Mm-hmm. So we have to know that going into it as a whole. A hundred percent. And um, I'm curious, we can cut this out if you don't want to talk about this, but you did mention watching this with your children and I'm just curious what they thought. <laughs> yeah. So I watched it with my, with my eight-year-old son and my seven-year-old daughter. Cause I was like, Oh, you know, they wanted to do, you know, movie nights summertime. And I was like, cool. I was like, oh, I'll have to watch this movie again. Cause I have to talk about it. And I and they're like, oh, like, oh, by the way, this is like, you know, what, what Baba does 
for his job, right? He's a psychiatrist. <laughs> He's one of the people who, and these are the people I work with. So they had a lot of, it was interesting because they had a lot of questions about like, what's, what's, what's wrong with this person? What's wrong mm-hmm. with the person? Like, why are they dancing? What's, and I was like, to be like, well, you know, I have to teach them. I was like, well, you know, some people are different. Some people have things that are going on in them that they may act or look or think a little bit differently. And, you know, we have, I, I'm open in saying it, like we have someone in our friend community who is like a, a quote unquote level three autism, you know, they have intellectual disability communication issues. He's a little bit older and, you know, they play with him and everything like that. And I was like, oh, you know, like this guy, like, you know, something's a little bit different mm-hmm. with him, not something's wrong with him, but like something's yeah. just a little bit different. And like, and I was like, oh, this, uh, these are the people that, you know, Baba kind of works with a little bit and helps them out, hopefully helps them out. Um, and they're like, oh, okay. And then, you know, again, there was a lot of questions. They were like, oh, Baba, they're using a lot of like bad words. There's so many bad words in this one. Being like, oh, why are they, why are they naked together? What's going on? I was like, guys, close your eyes. Like once the I, girls come in, you're like, oh, well, uh, yeah. this is like, not what Baba like, does oh, at I, work. <laughs> uh, I was like, I forgot about this part. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, so I think it was, I think they, again, I don't, I, they're not going to obviously understand everything that was going on in there. And then, you know, they liked it. I mean, they enjoyed it. Some stuff they're like, okay, but I, they're not going to be watching it again and telling their friends that they, yeah, the movie right. they watched, right? They're like, they're, why couldn't we watch Frozen? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, not, it's not Transformers or something like that. So didn't necessarily grab their attention in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's also just like a great anecdote of like changing language and how important and powerful language is. Of mm-hmm. people, there's a lot of different people. That doesn't mean that they're bad or weird or strange or, or scary. Bad. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, yeah, absolutely. We hope you just had a blast revisiting this movie with your children um, <laughs> and <laughs> talking about it with us. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. So it's <laughs> yeah. Again, that's the main thing is we have to. And a lot of this kind of came from a conversation I had with, with Dr. Gold as well, who, you know, Jesse, we all love Jesse. She's great. Um, but, you know, when we go out, we publish things. If we work our whole life and we get something published in like JAMA, right, or the New England Journal of Medicine, right? Like, again, like not everybody, no, very rarely do these things occur. This is like the pinnacle of like scientific, academic, medical kind of publishing. The layperson doesn't read it. How many people right. are reading that? Right, 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 exactly. And I if mean, they try to read it, no, I, I can't even understand it half understand. the time. I, yeah, I don't read this stuff half the time because I'm like, oh, I have to like really think about this and like statistics. You know, I have to think. I have to use my use my brain reading this. Yeah. Um, but we know that, like, again, people are going to get their information from like YouTube, and where they're going to get it from TikTok. Twitter, or they're going to get it from a TikTok, or so they're going to get it from right. whatever it's going to be, Vogue magazine and Time magazine. So it's like. It's important for people who have legitimate voices and backgrounds to be in those worlds as well, mm-hmm. so that we versus the people who we know are misusing those to kind of push out BF. Yes, right, yeah. right. Well, keep fighting the good fight. Uh, keep Run. buying your your sneakers. Uh, I'd love to yep. see them. <laughs> <laughs> well, and just to remind everyone who's listening, you can find. Um, Solman at the kick shrink Instagram. So it's kick shrink as in like shoes and then yep. shrink on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube um, and find his content there. We, we certainly like it. So yeah. I think he will too. 
Yeah. And thank you once again for joining us. Um, and you can find us again at Analyze Scripts on Instagram, Analyze Scripts Podcast on TikTok and Threads. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will see you next Monday with another episode. Yeah. Thanks. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank- thanks for having me. This podcast and its contents are a copyright of Analyze Scripts, all rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited. Unless you want to share it with your friends and rate, review, and subscribe. That's fine. All stories and characters discussed are fictional in nature. No identification with actual persons, living or deceased, places, buildings, or products is intended or should be inferred. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The podcast and its contents do not constitute professional, mental health, or medical advice. Listeners might consider consulting a mental health provider if they need assistance with any mental health problems or concerns. As always, please call 911 or go directly to your nearest emergency room for any psychiatric emergencies. Thanks for listening and see you next time. podcast and its contents are a copyright of analyzed scripts, all rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited. Unless you want to share it with your friends and rate, review, and subscribe. That's fine. All stories and characters discussed are fictional in nature. No identification with actual persons, living or deceased, places, buildings, or products is intended or should be inferred. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The podcast and its contents do not constitute professional, mental health, or medical advice. Listeners might consider consulting a mental health provider if they need assistance with any mental health problems or concerns. As always, please call 911 or go directly to your nearest emergency room for any psychiatric emergencies. Thanks for listening and see you next time.